This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, I'd like to continue talking about what love does. Now, I was reading about this uh, teenager, name was Stephen, and Stephen had been uh, cutting school for three days. Mom and Daddy didn't know where he was at. Uh, they thought he was at school. The teacher didn't know where he was at. She thought he was home. So if the teacher, after the third day, she called Mom and Dad just to see how Stephen was doing because she figured he was pretty, pretty sick. And Mom and Dad said, He's not at school, you know? So anyhow, they confronted uh, Stephen, and it wasn't the perfect scenario right there because he'd been lying to everybody where he was at and what he was doing. So mom and dad, he's a 14-year-old kid, mom and dad punished him. I'd never heard of this punishment before. Before the next three days, because that's how many days he cut school, for the next three days, he was going to live in the attic. He was going to eat his meals in the attic. He was going to sleep in the attic. And that's what dad said. He said, you know, uh, this is serious. And you have to know that the lion and all that she was doing, it was just wrong. And this is your punishment. All day long, <clears throat> they were all thinking about this mom and dad wasn't. And when dad went to bed that night, he kind of tossed and turned, and finally around 2 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, second. Dad grabbed a blanket, and he headed or the attic, and he also grabbed a pillow, and he grabbed a pillow, and he grabbed a blanket, and he climbed up there to the attic, and there was Stephen just crying. His face was just wet with tears. And Dad said, he said, listen, this is serious. You lying to us and lying to your teacher. And so we, you, you have to take the punishment, but I'm going to share it with you. So dad threw his blanket out there. They laid on part of it and they covered over with the other. And dad hugged Stephen. And dad's face was wet with tears. And Stephen's face was wet with tears and their tears mingled as they snuggled close to each other. That's what love does. That's what love does. What that dad did. And if you remember, last week we were talking about little Billy, who had been disobeying mom and dad. He was a little old fella. He didn't get to go outside where they built the campfire and, and, and you know, do the popcorn. He had to go straight to his room. And once the popcorn was getting close to red, being ready, dad went to... Billy's room, just a little old fella. He said, you going out there 
and enjoy the campfire and the popcorn, I'm going to take your punishment. See, that's what love does. That's what love does. And you think about what love does in you and what love does through you, you know. Uh, 2,000 years ago, God, he sent his son Jesus. Now, he didn't exactly grab a blanket and a pillow, but he went to the cross. That's my punishment, and that's your punishment for our sins. He went and he took our punishment for us, because that's what love does. That's what love does. He bore our punishment for our sins. Um, listen to what it says here in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. It says, For when the time was right, for when the time was right, the anointed one, that's talking about Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, he came and died. To demonstrate his love for sinners. That's us. When the time was right. You know, Jesus. He came and he died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely. Now, what percentage is entirely? 100%. He came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless. 100% helpless, 100% weak, and 100% powerless to save themselves. Jesus came and he died to demonstrate his love for sinners. Not for good people, not for obedient people. Jesus came, like dad went and he shared the punishment, not with the perfect son, but the one who has been lying and, and deceiving and Jesus, he died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely 100% helpless, 100% weak, 100% powerless to save themselves. Verse 7 says, Now would anyone dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? Probably not. <laughs> Except Jesus, of course. We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person, we can understand that. But Christ proved God's passionate love, not his passive love. Yeah, we can take it or leave it. Would you rather in your family have a passionate love for each other or very Passive love. I think you'd rather have passionate love. And it says here in verse 8, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. While we were lost and ungodly, Jesus died to prove God's passionate love for us had not anything to do with all of our wonderful good works, whether you had any or whether you had not. 
Tamar is promised to no one, this article I came across says. Time passes so quickly. You literally do not even notice it until it begins to show. Have y'all noticed that time, especially once you get out of high school, time just gets to moving pretty fast, doesn't it? It surely has for me. He says, time passes so quickly, you literally do not even notice it until it begins to show. So don't wait to use the good china. Now, this is actually something that happened in my life. I was, uh, I think, around the third grade, and my mom, she had a little china cabinet with all her fancy dishes and things like that in there. But when I was in the third grade, for some reason, she decided that who was the most important people in her life? Some guest or family or something who would come once in a great while? Or was it her husband and her children? So mama, my mama, she started using her absolute best china every day of the week. Every day. And I remember I was in third grade. This kid came home with me that day. He didn't live too far away. And uh, we came in and we are going to have a little sandwich or something to drink and all. And mama set the table with her finest china. And I was very quick to tell my friend, Mama's not doing this for you. Mama does this for all of us every day. I, and I, think I exactly remember doing that. And she's always used her best china for us all my life. I kind of think it's an awesome idea for your family, the people who you love the most, why not give them the best? Anyhow, so the article said, so don't wait to use the good china. Go on the trip, eat the cake, watch the late movie, read your favorite book, take a chance in life. The time is now. Don't live passively, but live passionately while there is still time. That's what love does. That's the reason my mama used her best china, because she loved us so much. That's what love does. Love loves passionately, not passively, which is what little you can get by with. Anyhow, it said over here in Romans 5, verse 8, it says, But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we... We're still lost and ungodly. Verse 9 says, and there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. Uh, time would run out if we just tried to talk all about his unfailing love for us while we were disobedient and we were sinful and we hadn't done anything right for him. But he still loved us. And he's crazy about us. And he was so willingly pardon us and forgive us. That's what love does. So it says here in verse 9, and there's still so much to say of his unfailing love for us. For though the blood of Jesus, for through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. 
Not because we've done anything good, but because of what Jesus has done for us. That's what love does. He took our punishment. He pardoned us. He forgave us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because of what? The sacrifice of who? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you. And I'm talking to every one of you who is here and everyone who is joining us online. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. You will never experience the wrath of God because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. You deserve the punishment because we've all sinned and we've fallen short of God's glory. And the wages of our sin is death. But he tells us we will never experience the wrath of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what love does. That's what love does. Stephen didn't have to bear his punishment alone. Because that's what love did. But you and I will never experience the wrath of God because of what Jesus did for you and for me. He says here in verse 10, So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself, while we were still his enemies, we disobeyed him. We lied to him. We were full of deceit and deception. So if while we were still enemies, God fully, uh, no, what percentage is fully? 100%. God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son. Then, and if he would do that, then something greater than friendship is ours. Some greater than just being Buddies, some greater than just friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God, we are at peace with God. And because we share in his resurrection life, we don't deserve it. We've not done anything to earn it. But because of what Jesus did, giving his life blood on the cross, and he died and then he rose again from the dead, and this resurrection power that brought him up, and he shares that resurrection power with the undeserving. Well, you don't deserve the resurrection power of Jesus. But he tells us in verse 10, so if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God and because we share, we share, we share in his resurrection life, how much more we will be rescued from sin's dominion. Sin's dominion, sin's power over us, sin's control because God has given us this resurrection power and Christ has paid for all of our punishment and he's telling us how much more we will be rescued from sin's 
dominion because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did or because of what I did, but because of what Jesus did. That's what love does. Love pays an extremely high price. That's what love does. Mark chapter 12, verse 28, in the Message Bible it says, One of the religion scholars came up, hearing the lively exchanges of question and answer, and seeing how sharp Jesus was in his answers, he put in his question. Which is the most important of all the commandments? And Jesus said, the first in importance is, listen Israel, the Lord your God is three. The Lord your God is three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they're 100% totally in agreement. The father sent the son. And the son gave his life as a sacrifice. And as Jesus ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit to be a comforter to remind us of everything he's taught us. That's what I'm talking about. Jesus said the first in importance is, listen, Israel, the Lord your God is, is one. So love the Lord God. This is what Jesus is saying. So love the Lord God. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, Because he first loved me. So it says in verse 30, so love the Lord God with all. And what percentage is all? 100%. So love the Lord God with all your passion, the Message Bible says. With all your passion, with all your fervor with all your delight and enthusiasm and, and all your zeal with your perfect sincerity of the depth of your heart wholehearted undivided so love the Lord God with all your passion and seek to love God wholeheartedly we must be convinced that our only happiness and our only true joy is in him alone and I'm telling you, the only f true happiness and joy you will ever experience is in relationship with Jesus. Oh, you, you may experience something, but it will never be optimum. It will never be the fullness of what God has in store for you until you love him wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. So it says in verse 30, so love the Lord God with all your passion. Listen to what it says here in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, above all. Now, now what percentage is all here? 
above 100% of everything else you do, above all, above 100% of what you have ever done, what you did yesterday, and what you're going to do today, it says above all else, guard your heart. God's word is telling us the most important thing that you can do here is to guard your heart. Uh, what's going to happen if somebody just reaches in and plucks your heart out of your body? You're dead. So he says, guard your heart. And the way you and I guard our hearts, there's, there's some doors that get right into your heart through what you see. What you see goes right into your heart. So if you're going to guard the heart, you got to guard the eyes. Because what you see with your eyes, it goes into the heart, and it can contaminate and corrupt the heart really, really quick. And the other door to your heart is your ears. What you hear, what you listen to, can go into your ears, and it will corrupt and it can contaminate your heart. So if you're going to guard your heart, and he says, above all else, it's the most important, 100% above everything else you do in life, he says, you've got to guard your heart. And that's going to be by what you see, what you're looking at, what you're reading. You're going to guard your heart, or you're just going to leave the door wide open for anything to come in there and contaminate and corrupt your heart. Are you going to guard your ears, and you're not going to listen to that kinds of stuff. You're not going to listen to all that that's going on. You're just not going to watch and listen. To, you're going to you're going to guard the 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 ears, and you're going to guard the eyes, and you're going to have gates on them so nothing can get into your heart and corrupt it and contaminate it and bring about tremendous misery and destruction in your life. And that's where most of all the misery and the destruction gets into your life through your eyes and through your ears. So he says, above all else, guard your heart for it, the heart, for it affects everything. Oh, what percentage is everything? Your heart affects everything you do. Your heart does. It affects you at school. It affects you at the restaurant. It affects you when you're driving your automobile, when you're married, when you're having kids. Your heart affects everything you do. And I'm not just talking about the blood pump. But I'm talking about the core of who you are that, that, that is tremendously inspirational in all your motivations and what you believe. And he says, above all else, guard. Be on guard. Use your shield of faith and your sword of the Spirit. Use your helmet of salvation. Use the breastplate of righteousness. Use your loins are girt about with truth. And your feet are shod with these massive, fantastic boots, if you would. These armored boots called peace. And he's given us armor. And he says, above all else that you're going to do with your armor, <laughs> guard your heart. Because there is somebody trying to destroy you 
and all those that are dear to you by contaminating and messing with what you believe, what's down and is taking root in your heart. It's very important. And then he goes on. Warning, warning, danger, danger, danger. As we drop down to verse 27. It says, don't get sidetracked. You understand sidetracked? I, I used to live in Charlotte, North Carolina for a couple of years. And so housing development. And there was a little creek in my backyard. And then there was a, a dirt road. And then there was a railroad track. No, it wasn't a railroad track. It was a bunch of railroad tracks. <laughs> and all night long, and it bothered us for the first month, you'd hear the train going, as it was taking cars off of engines and adding cars and putting cars on. And they had these little short side tracks. You know, it might have been 75 foot long or something. And they would back a, a car off of this long train and they would back it in there, disconnect and leave it sitting there. And that train did not go wherever they was going to deliver stuff or go and pick stuff up. It just stayed there on a side track. You ever gotten sidetracked? You, 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 it's no longer about the main issue of your life. It's just like, I just feel like I'm just stuck on this little sidetrack and I'm not going anywhere in life or going anywhere in my marriage or going anywhere in my career. I, I'm just sidetracked. He says here in verse 27, don't get sidetracked. Uh, distracted from the important issues of life. Don't, don't get sidetracked. Keep your focus in the right place. Keep your heart in the right place. Understand the uh, the things that God says is a priority. And He says, "Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Don't don't follow evil. That is a sure way to bring misery into your life." And it will affect everything in your body, soul, and spirit in your relationships when you just follow evil. You know what this is? It's a compass. Pretty heavy duty one. Pretty pretty fancy. Can y'all see the little hand there? And it's got a ruby as the ball bearing there. <clears throat> Now, a compass, when you set it up properly, which way is it going to point? It's always going to point north. 
if it's set up right and everything, and then you can determine your direction when you, because you know where north is at and where you want to go and all. But can you see the little hand there? What's it doing? Can you see it? It's being affected by my knife blade. It's just turning. Whichever way I move my knife blade, it's just turning. It's just following that. It's being influenced by my knife blade. And if, if you're hiking up a mountain somewhere and you're trying to use your compass and you got a big old knife there beside it and you're going like, I, I thought this was north. Now this is saying over here's north. Oh. It keeps changing because this affects it. And up on the mountain where I go pretty off to pray, there's a couple of places up there where there's these great big metal spikes. I don't know. The thing is probably driven 10, 15 foot into big old massive rock, a big massive. It's a piece of the mountain. And you can't get it out of there. But if you was to go right there beside that and you're trying to take a compass reading, it don't work right. It's being influenced by the steel and that metal bar that's been driven into the ground as a landmark. And you know what? This thing right here probably weighs about two pounds. I don't use that one when I go backpacking. I use one like this. It's very lightweight and it's, it does everything a whole lot easier and a whole lot better than that big heavy thing. And you know what? When they would use compasses on ships that were made out of iron when they first started making them out of iron because they used to just all be out of wood. They would take these ropes and, and they would have this uh, a pretty elaborate contraption of, of this rope to suspend their compass away from all the metal so they could read it and it was not being affected by it. And uh, when I'm up on the mountain, I have run into people who are lost on the mountain. And I go, well, where's your compass? And I'll, uh, compass? Should I have a compass? It's like, I think you probably should. So I give them my compass. And I show them when you get out of your car and you get away from the metal, you look at it and you turn it until it's pointing north. And then if you're walking west into the woods, which way should you walk coming back out? East. But if you get out of your car, go, oh, I can't wait to get out of there. And you get out there in the woods and you got yourself all turned around and you're going, okay, mighty compass, take me home. Which way is my car? You're lost. You have no idea. And if you got a pocket knife right there, it's like, I don't know if you can see that thing. It's just a compass is dynamically impacted by a small little piece of metal. This is a big piece, but a tiny piece of metal will mess it up so you can't trust the compass. That's just the way it is. See, a compass, it, it holds true 
north when it's kept free of distractions. How distracted are you in your life? How many things come into your life and distracts you from, from following the direction that Almighty God has in store for you? Because he surely has very clear insight and direction for you. Listen to what it says here. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. In the Message Bible, it says, So now, Israel, what do you think God expects from you? Question mark. Oh, what do you think that God expects from you? Just this. Live in his presence. Uh, the scripture tells us in his presence is fullness of joy. In God's presence is fullness of joy. And you know how to get in his presence. And you know how to follow due north. And you know how to get in God's presence. And you know how to stay in God's presence. And you know how not to get yourself sidetracked and, and distracted over here. He says here in Deuteronomy 10, 12, So now, Israel, what do you think God expects from you? Just this. Live in his presence. The scripture says in his presence is the fullness of joy. It's the fullness of joy. And if you don't know the presence of God, you will never know the fullness of joy. He says, just as live in his presence, in holy reverence, live in his presence in absolute holy respect and admiration and holy worship and holy awe live in his presence this adoration and this astonishment and this amazement he says here live in his presence in your presence in your presence there is peace in your presence in your presence, there is joy. I will linger. I will linger. I will stay in your presence day by day until your likeness may be seen in me. Oh, to linger and to stay, that's what love does. When you get to know God and you can linger and you can stay in his presence until his likeness is very obvious and evident and seen in you and, and your heart beats like his heart does. And you're not allowing it to be contaminated and corrupted. You're guarding your heart by what you see and what you hear. And, and until your likeness may be seen in me. Listen to what he says here. Deuteronomy 10, 12, it says, So now, Israel, what do you think God expects from you? Just this. Live in his presence in holy reverence. Follow the road he sets out for you. Follow the 
the road he sets out for you and you can do it with his word. And you can do it with his Holy Spirit who will lead us and will guide us. And he says here, follow the road that he sets out for you and love him. Serve him. Oh, that's talking about worshiping him. Love him. Serve him. Your God. With, with, with what? With everything. 100%. With everything you have in you. Love him. Serve him. Your God. With everything you have in you. Everything you have in you. Everything you own. Everything that is yours. Love and serve God. God is not just like, well, there's nothing else to do. So I reckon I'll just read about, I might even go to church, you know, one day. Because there ain't nothing. Everything is just so boring, you know. No, the scripture tells us. Love him, serve him, your God, with everything, 100%, everything that you have in you. Psalms 34, verse 23, it says, listen to me. This is King David. Listen to me, all you godly ones. Love the Lord with passion. The Lord protects and preserves all those who are loyal to him. Are, are, are you loyal to him? He, he promises right here. Love the Lord with passion. The Lord protects and he preserves all those. 100% of those who are loyal to him. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 13. We just read live in his presence in holy reverence. And he says... Verse 13, obey the commandments and the regulations of God that I'm commanding you today. Live a good life. And I'm going to tell you how to genuinely love God and how to live a good life. And that's by obeying God. And some people, they get up and, oh, I got to obey God, you know. How many of you have a legal driver's license and you can go anywhere you want to anytime you want to it's because you obey the commands the driving you drive on the proper side of the road it's questionable whether you drive the speed limit or not I know but God has a little mercy I think there but you 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 follow the, the commands of driving, you follow the regulations, you drive on the proper side of the road, you, and therefore, because you're following the regulations that's been given to you, you have this awesome, fantastic, wonderful freedom to drive anywhere you want to at any time you want to. At least thus far, we still have that privilege. And when you and I obey God's commands and his regulations, ho, oh, ho, the freedom, the resurrection power, the transformation, the miracle power that flows to and through you when we obey his commands. It is not a negative thing. The devil tries to paint this picture, oh, you got to obey God, you know, and, and he tries to mock it and all. I'm going to tell you something. It's a fantastic, awesome, wonderful freedom where his resurrection power when we obey his commands. That's what he tells us. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. That's, that's what he tells us, you know. And he says, live a good life. 
And you do that by obeying his commands. Look at verse 14. It says, look around you. We can try that for just a moment. And then imagine you're on your property, your home, all your stuff. Just look around. He says, look around you. Everything. Now, what percentage is everything? Everything you see is God's. Everything you see is God's. The heavens above. When's the last time you looked at the heavens? This morning. Was it beautiful? We sat up there in these nice, beautiful acorn trees, short trees, all this rock around there, and it looked kind of like the Garden of uh, Gethsemane. That's what we imagined it was like. And the moon was shining ever so brightly, and all these stars were shining. It was glorious. And, and before that, the last time I saw it was last night, you know. And the same moon was out, and the stars were amazing. And before that, I took a little breather yesterday, and I sat down out there close to my garden, and the sky was blue. And the clouds were white and fluffy, and it was just glorious, all of it. It was just glorious. And the Bible says, look around you. Everything you see is God's, the heavens above and beyond. Uh, Beyond what you can see, all the other planets and all the other parts of the earth. That's beyond the heavens, and you can't even see them, but you know they're there. He says, everything you see is God's, the heavens above and beyond the earth. And everything on it, 100%, everything you see that is good and perfect and pure and everything, it's God's. You did not generate anything. You did not generate the money that's in your bank account. You did not generate your looks so your spouse chose to marry you. You didn't generate that. You didn't create that. Oh, you might think, you may be arrogant enough to think that you control your own life. You pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. I am still waiting to this day to see a man come here, grab a hold of his bootstraps, and lift himself up off the ground. I ain't found a man who can do that yet. (laughs) But it's all from God because he's crazy about you. He loves you. Though you do not deserve his love and his forgiveness, you do not deserve the resurrection power, he said you will never experience his wrath because of what Jesus did. He's paid for you. He's paid for your punishment. He has forgiven you. And all you have to do is just to receive that. But everything out here, everything you see is God's. The heavens above and beyond the earth and everything on it. So God's, and he allows you to enjoy it. He allows you to experience it. Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it says, and the message Bible says, so love the Lord your God. So love the Lord God with all, 100%, with all your passion. Love him. Love him with all your passion. Well, I really love other stuff. 
And I make some time for God. That ain't loving God with all your passion. There's a key here. That means that something else is already contaminated and stole your heart. But God don't have it. You got to think about that. So love the Lord God with all your passion and in prayer. Love him with all your passion. Love him with all your, your prayer, your, your, your uttermost, your, your, your greatest fervor to, to love him. With all your passion, with all your prayer, with all your, your dedication and your, your eagerness, your, your zeal, your intensity, love him with all that there is within you and with your passion and your prayer. And what's that next word? And intelligence. Mark chapter 12, he says, verse 30 says, and love him with all your intelligence, your, your, your mind and your thoughts, your intellect, your, your soulless realm. And, and then what's that last one? And energy, your, your, your bodily powers. Love him with all that you can do. And love him with everything, body, soul, and spirit. And he's talking about love him with no, with no rivals. There's no one who can compete with God. If they try to, they always lose out. Because you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your energy. You just love God. There's no rivals. Nobody can compare to God. That, that's what he's talking about. Psalms 30, verse 10, in the Passion Translation, it says, even the strong and the wealthy, they grow weak and, and hungry, but those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good thing. Those who passionately pursue the Lord. He's first. He's number one in your life. You will never lack any good thing. The strong, the wealthy will grow weak. They're going to grow hungry. But those who passionately, with all that is within me, who will passionately pursue the Lord, will never lack any good thing. And there's no issue more critical in life there's nothing more important in all your life than loving God. Nothing. That's why you guard your heart. That's kind of what you love with. And you can end up loving lots of other stuff other than God. Have you ever heard of Truett, Kathy? Yeah. Let me see your hand. If you, you have? Oh. Do, do you know what he did? He was the one who started Chick-fil-A. And we have one right here in Connecticut. No, we have one right here in Southington. Well, Truett Cathy, an extraordinarily successful businessman who has done some very unusual things. Truett, he's the founder of Chick-fil-A, the whole chain. And even though it has cost him millions and millions of dollars, all of his thousands of restaurants are closed on Sunday. All of them. And it cost him millions of dollars. Now, he died a few years ago at 93. 
But all the days of his life, he honored God on Sunday. And he did not serve any food. That's just, that's what he chose to do. It is that important to him to honor the Lord's day. And when he first started his restaurant chain during the days of segregation, he took a very unpopular stand as he made it a point to hire people irrespective of race. Didn't matter. That decision cost him a lot of business, but he didn't care. He wanted to do the right thing. Because, see, that's what love does. Love does the right thing. And I venture to say most of us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we know what the right thing is. We feel convicted, but we don't always do the right thing. But to it, Kathy, he did the right thing. No matter what it cost, millions of dollars you're going to lose if you don't open on Sunday. Don't matter. He was determined to do the right thing. That's what love does. And he surely loved God. He also took the unusual step of setting aside some of his profits to develop a successful, the key is here is a successful foster home system for orphaned children. Truett Cathy did these things and many other things for one reason and one reason alone. He wanted to obey the greatest of all commandments, to love God and then to love people, love your neighbor. And I won't tell you, you just don't get no, it don't get no better than that if, if that's all the commands that you can possibly remember, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, just loving God and then loving people. That's all you really got to learn if you'll apply those things to your life it will bring about transformation. You will guard your heart. You won't get sidetracked. You know, you won't be distracted. The, you, you, your, your compass will not lead you astray if you love God with all that there is, and then you love people. You love your neighbor as yourself. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Cheerfully pleasing God is the... What's that? It's the main thing. Cheerfully pleasing God is the main thing, and that's what we aim to do. Cheerfully. Not like, oh, I got to read my Bible. I got to pray. Oh, man. Cheerfully. Cheerfully pleasing God is the main thing, and that's what we aim to do. Regardless of our conditions, sooner or later, we'll all have to face God sooner or later, every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room, and who are watching online, sooner or later, whether you want to or you don't want to, whether you believe it or you don't believe it, sooner or later, you will face God. That's just the way it is. Sooner or later, we'll all have to face God, regardless of our conditions. We will appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, either either good or bad, and, and, and we'll, we'll reap a harvest. We'll, we'll be judged, and we'll, you know, I mean, in the Olympics, the judges give away gold medals, don't they? 
And they say, well, you don't get a medal because of you didn't really train properly and you didn't get, you know. To understand judgment, it's not an evil thing. They don't dish out wrath. The judges don't dish out wrath, <laughs> you know. So we got to understand, we already read, he said, because of what Christ done, you will never experience the wrath of God if you've accepted Christ into your life. Anyhow, let's pick up here at verse 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. It says, well, let me back up here. We will appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, either good or bad. That keeps us vigilant. It keeps us watchful and, and attentive, and it keeps us alert. That's, that keeps us vigilant. Uh, you can be sure. It, it, it's no light thing to know that we'll all, 100% of us, no exceptions, will all one day stand in that place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone, 100% of the people that we meet, to get them ready to face God. When's the last time you worked with somebody that you met and you tried to help prepare them because one day they're going to have to meet God? And you tell them about his wonderful love and kindness and how he took our punishment and he has forgiven us and he has pardoned us and he wants our name written in the book of life and he, he wants to bless us. And when's the last time you told someone to help them get ready to meet God. Oh, wow. Verse 11 says again, that keeps us vigilant. You can be sure it's no light thing to know that we'll all, all of us, 100%, one day stand in that place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. God alone knows how well we do this. But I hope you realize how much and, and deeply we, we care. Uh, you do care about other people getting to heaven, right? That was pretty wimpy if you ask me. Yes, we care about men and women, boys and girls making it to heaven. I have performed hundreds of funerals in my life. And a whole lot of them are absolutely glorious. Because the people knew Christ. But to be at a funeral where somebody did not know Christ, that's the heartbreaking one. They rejected Christ and they've rejected heaven. And it might just be because no one ever bothered to sit down and tell them how much God loved them and what God's done for them. Whew. We're not saying this to make ourselves look good to you. We just thought it would make you feel good, proud, even that we're on your side. That's what we're going to tell people. And not just nice to your face as so many people are. If I, if I acted crazy, I did it for God. If, if, if I acted overly seriously, I, I did it for you because I, I cared about you knowing about God's love. Verse 14 says, Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love, it compels me. His love has the, what does that say? 
the first. His love has the first and the last word in everything we do. His love for not just me, but for every mankind has every, everything. His love has everything to do. First word and last word in my life. What I'm going to do in my life today. And, and his word has everything to do with that. His love for the people. Are we motivated by the love of God? Are we motivated that our friends, our family, our, our neighbors, that they're ready to face God one day? Have we taken a risk because we love people so much? I, I can't face the fact that something happens to you one day and you're not ready to face God. You've not received this wonderful, fantastic, phenomenal gift. He says here in verse 14, Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and the last word in everything we do. It, it sure had first and last word in everything that Truett Cathy did. If it didn't honor God, he didn't do it. If it honored God, no matter what the cost, he did it. As we go on, it says, our firm decision is to work from this focused center. We're working from this focused center, the, this bullseye, if you would. He says, our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man, his name happened to be Jesus. One man died for everyone, 100%. Jesus died for 100% of people on this planet. Now, will they all accept him? Probably not. But he died for them, and they could accept his pardon, his forgiveness, and never, ever, 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 ever have to face wrath. He says here, one man died for everyone, and that puts everyone 100% in the same boat. We're all in the, it's like Noah's Ark. We're all put in the same boat. And, and the Bible refers to Jesus as being the ark. And when the judgment was poured out, the flood that killed all the animals and all the people who reject, and, and, and the people who are in the ark, they're spared wrath and, and the flood and, and all those kinds of things. It says, our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone 100% in his death so that everyone 100% could also be included in his life, a resurrection life. He died for us all. He died for us all so we could all be included in his life, this resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. See, see God loves you, and he's especially fond of each and every one of you. He's especially fond of you. He's crazy about you, to be honest with you. And he died for you all. And he rose from the dead for you all. 100%. All we got to do is just like, I'll receive it. It's just like Stephen, who had three days to live in the attic because of his disobedience and his lying. But dad went there with him. Dad experienced the punishment with Stephen, and Jesus has experienced everything we were supposed to. Jesus went to hell for three days. 
loves us. He cares about us. And everybody should have the privilege of knowing about that, that God loves you that much. He's crazy about you. Everybody should get to know that. Verse 15, it says, He included everyone in his death so that everyone could be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. When, when you fell in love with your significant other, something within you made you, hey guys, bring her some flowers. Anybody ever take your sweetheart some flowers? Okay, strike one. Take her some chocolates. Did you ever do anything for her? You did, okay. But when you fall in love with your significant other, something inside of you, you want to do something special. You want to call her day and, and night. And Susan and I, I was working down in uh, Augusta, Georgia, saving money to get married and go to Bible school. And I would get on the payphone and I'd call Susan and we would have our little chit-chats for a few moments there and then I didn't know what to say. And, and she didn't know what to say. And so I just kept throwing coins in this machine so we could just listen to each other, listen to each other. <laughs> did we do that? We surely absolutely positively did because we loved each other. You know, uh, well, there's something that happens when you fall in love with your significant other that wants you to have a better figure or to, to be healthier or, or to keep in shape. You know, change your language. I ain't going to talk like that no more around you or, or just your priorities or set some new agendas, you know, and the same is true in our relationship with God because love compels us. Love compels us to change. Love compels us to listen to God. And love compels us to action, to, to fulfill what he wants me to do for him. Now, love compels us. The, the, the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 31, it says, And here is the second, the command. The first one is to love the Lord of all that is in you. And love others as well as you love yourself. There is no other commandment that ranks with these. You love God and then you love others as you love yourself. And when you get hungry, how many of you are going to get something to eat a little bit later on today? So if you're going to get something to eat and you genuinely know that somebody's going to do without food today and you love God and, and you love others, you're going to find some way to share some food with them. And if you see somebody out there genuinely in short sleeves and it's, it's like 12 degrees and they don't have anything else, and if you got an extra sweater or a jacket or something, you're going to probably, if you love them like you love you, you'd, you'd put some on to stay warm and you'd give them something to, 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 to stay warm with. He said, love others as well as you love yourself. This is the second command. The first is to love the Lord of all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then the the next one in, in line there is love your neighbor as, as well as you love yourself. In 1989, Mother Teresa visited Phoenix 
to open a home for the destitute. During that brief visit, she was interviewed by KTAR, the largest radio station in town. And in a private moment, the announcer asked Mother Teresa if there was anything he could do for her. He was expecting her to request a contribution or media help to raise money for her new home for the impoverished in Phoenix. But instead, Mother Teresa said, yes, there is something you can do for me. And she said, find somebody nobody else loves and love them. That's it. Find somebody that nobody else loves and love them. And Mother Teresa did not originate that. Jesus did. He said, when you see somebody who's cold, he said, and you, you give them some clothes, and Jesus said what? You, you gave them clothes to me. You see somebody hungry and you give them something to eat, Jesus says it. He says it right there in his word. Jesus said, I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the solemn truth. Matthew 25, 40. I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things, somebody's in prison and you went to go visit them. You gave them some encouragement. I'm telling the solemn truth, Jesus. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, Jesus says, that was me. When you loved somebody else, Jesus said, that was me. You did it to me. Oh, there's, there's so much more I want to talk about, but we just don't have time. But find somebody who it seems like nobody else loves and love them. And every scripture I share here I don't know, did, did you know if, if, if you have a cell phone and you have version Bible, it's free, it's a free app, and, and, and it's audio, and it's got all kinds of videos and devotions in it, but even now, the scriptures that I use, we downloaded them to the Message Bible, and, and you can look up all them scriptures. What did I say? You, why don't you come on up here with me, okay? Yes. Thank the Lord. The U version, Y-O-U version Bible, it's a free, don't cost you a penny. But all them scriptures that I taught here already, if you'll go on the U version, how do you find it? Um, you go to events on the U version Bible and then Faith Living Church, and it'll have the current scriptures. For scriptures that we use every week. And you can read them again and memorize them, get familiar with them, and go like, wow, that's good. I, that's a great scripture. I, I, want, I want to remember that one so I can tell some other people. It might be a great inspiration to, to them. Well, our, our time is up. <clears throat> but the things that we're talking about here today, that's what love does. Love does. It, it, it loves, isn't it? It cares, and it don't get sidetracked. It protects his heart for the love of God and to love other people in this world. And what love does, love brings somebody to church with you. 
and offer to buy them lunch afterwards. So I haven't been invited to come to this church in a long time and go to lunch with you afterwards. You haven't even invited me, dear. Yeah, you can have lunch with me today. I can have lunch with you. But what I'm saying is, is what love does, it prepares people to meet God one day. Because your heart goes out to them, and you know, in these times that we're living in right now, there's a lot of people who are absolutely scared, spitless. They're frightened, and they're hopeless of the craziness that's going on in our world right now. And if they could understand how much God loves them, and God answers their prayers, and he's not giving them a spirit of fear, but of power, loving them, a semi, it would change their lives forever. And if this church don't work for you, take them to the best Bible teaching church you can find. I said that because it's so important that men, women, boys, and girls learn how much God loves them and cares about them. Priority number one. Anyhow, I'd like us to reaffirm our faith in Christ. Just going to take a moment. And if you don't know Christ, would you declare your faith with us as we reaffirm our faith in him? Would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I do love you. I do love you. And I want to be so much like your son. And I want to be so much like your son. I want to care about other people. I want to care about other people. I thank you that Jesus came. I thank you that Jesus came. And he died in my place. And he died in my place. He took my punishment. He took my punishment. When he died on that cross. When he died on that cross. And then he rose from the dead. And then he rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus. And I welcome Into my life. Into my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And my king. And my king. Thank you so much for saving me. Thank you so much for saving me. I believe. I believe. I will never experience. I will never experience. The wrath of God. The wrath of God. But mercy and love instead. But mercy and love <clears throat> instead. Because that's what love does. Because that's what love does. And would you pray for everybody mm -hmm. just briefly and all their loved ones? Father, we thank you, Lord, that you invite us to come boldly to your throne of grace. Yes, you do. So that we can obtain mercy and grace yes. to help us in a time of need. Yes. And Father, either ourselves or we know someone that we love that's in a time of need right now. Yes. And Lord, we come boldly to your throne of grace and we just yes. ask that you would give them mercy, that you yes. would give them grace. Your enabling power, your yes, unmerited Lord. favor, oh God. Yes. We ask that you would heal those that need healing for their yes, bodies. Yes, God. We ask that you would make provision financially for those that need financial needs to be yes, met. Yes, Lord. Father, we thank you that you are our need meter in yes, every you are. way. Lord, we ask that you would encourage those that may be discouraged yes. right now. That you would deliver those <clears throat> from fear that are struggling, Father. Or those that are dealing with depression, that you yes, would Lord. set them free. Father, that you would bring deliverance to those that are captive, Lord, and have strongholds in their lives. Lord, we ask that you would bring restoration yes. to relationships. 
And Father, that you would yes. give purpose to everyone, not only in this room and those that are listening, but to yes. their loved ones. And Father, just give us the words to speak. Father, send us forth yes. as labors, to effective labors, to those that we love and to those that we don't even know. Father, send us forth, yes. Lord, into the harvest field. Yes, Lord. Because we know it is your will. It says it in your word that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the yes, truth. Yes, Lord. We believe that. Send us forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.